Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I have Jamie Blackburn on with us. And she has worn many hats in her life. Uh, oyster shucker, science teacher, outdoor educator, school counselor, and ice cream scooper. You're gonna have to tell me more about these, Jamie. But <laughs> she also holds a master's degree in both curriculum and instruction and counseling that she used while working in the public schools for 14 years. And she's also a 500 hour certified yoga teacher. So welcome to the show, Jamie. Thank you so much for having me, Andrea. I'm really excited to chat with you today. Well, I need to know first about oyster shucker and ice cream scooper because <laughs> that is great. <laughs> so when I was in high school, my dad owned an ice cream store. He had worked for GE for like 25 years and got laid off in the early nineties during that recession. And he bought an, he ended up buying a couple ice cream stores. So I worked at the ice cream stores all through high school and scooped a lot of ice cream. I made, a, I made a lot of ice cream actually, cause we would make our ice cream from scratch with like the old school, like the ice and the rock salt kind of layers. Yeah. Amazing ice cream. And then when I was in college, I worked at an oyster bar in Raleigh, North Carolina. It's, it's been around since I want to say like the fifties or sixties, it's been around for a really long time. Um, and people probably, if, if they're in the Raleigh area, they probably know about 42nd street oyster bar. Um, and so, yeah, I worked there all through college and I was an oyster shucker. So I would, I would stand at the table at the bar area and literally shuck the oysters for all of the people, all of the, our customers in the restaurant. And so it was a really fun way to just kind of chat with everybody at the, at the table. And I got pretty good tips because of it. Cause I was one of the, one of the few girls that was a, sh a shucker. So yeah. Anyway. Oh, that's too funny. I've never, I've never had an <laughs> oyster before. So what? Is, yeah, no. no. Oh, so we, good. Minnesota. Yeah. We do not have the best seafood here. So yeah, that's true. That's probably um, a long way to ship oysters would be a little weird. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I would love to know, uh, you know, cause a lot of what you do now and, you know, kind of what you're into is nature and exploring nature. So can you tell me a little bit about, you know, how nature came into your life? Was it something that, um, you know, you've been interested in, or is this something that has been a recent discovery for you? You know, I would say it's a little bit more recent. I, I definitely, I grew up in Kentucky and I can definitely remember, you know, know, being outside a lot as a kid, but I, and, and go, we, we would go camping. My parents had a pop-up and so we would go camping occasionally, but it, but it wasn't a huge thing in my life until I moved to Colorado. And I moved here when I was in my early twenties. Um, I live in Colorado now. I moved, I moved to Boulder when I first moved here and I started, um, mountain biking and I was doing a little bit of rock climbing and I was hiking. I learned to snowboard. And so I was spending a lot of time just doing things that typical Coloradans do and, and things that I still do now. Um, and when I was halfway through my grad program to become a teacher, to become a science teacher, I, um, they, they sent out an email to everybody who was in the education program about this outdoor ed uh, th thing that came when like a program that ran through the university called science discovery. And I was like, that sounds like fun. I want to do that. And so I, and I was becoming a science teacher. So I thought, I thought this is great. I'll work with kids. I'll teach science. I get to be outside. And so I started out, um, working for their day camps. We would do programs from like nine to three or something like that every day. And we, we would drive all over the front range of Colorado and take kids to different places. But then, um, 
a year or two after I'd been working for them, I also started working for their wilderness programs. And that was completely life-changing for me. I mean, that was, I, we got to go, I got to go to Yellowstone National Park and lead kids there. We saw like the wolves and the grizzly bears and it was amazing. Um, I got to go out to the Olympic Peninsula and we did backpacking on the coast of Washington. And it was just, we went all over Colorado um, and it was just such a transformative life experience for me to spend that much time outside. Um, I had one summer that I think I spent 12 nights in my apartment and the rest of the time I was sleeping in my tent and I just, I just, I loved it. I loved every moment of it. And, you know, now I've got, I've got a daughter and so I don't, I'm not leading those trips anymore, but we still try and like get her out camping and all that stuff. So it definitely was something that I grew up, I, I liked being outside, but it wasn't really until I moved to Colorado and started exploring more out here that I really fell in love with it. And it became a part of my everyday life. Mm. So I would love to know a little bit about your journey. Cause I know you kind of, you know, you went from being burnt out, overwhelmed. Um, mm -hmm. How did that kind of play into, you know, this theme for nature? Did that kind of help pull you out of it? Oh, totally. Um, so I, in 2017, I actually had a couple miscarriages and, um, I, I think it was a lot of things. I think it was my age. I mean, I was in my late thirties at that time. I think a, a lot of it was stress and not taking care of myself the way that I could have been taking care of myself. Um, I was at the time working as a school counselor. I had transitioned from teaching science to being in the counseling world. And there's just a lot of, it, it's a pretty overwhelming situation to be listening to people's problems all day long and like real legitimate problems that some of my students had with, you know, abuse and alcoholism and parents who lost their jobs and like all sorts of different things that kids would come and talk to me about. And it was, it, I took on a lot of that and I didn't do a lot of self-care at that time. I mean, I was, I was going to yoga. I was doing all the, the things that I quote unquote should do, but I wasn't, I, I wasn't really like, I, I, like the analogy that I use is kind of like, if you've got the bathtub draining, but there's still water pouring into the bathtub, I was never really draining that stress enough. And I think that impacted my, my physical health to the point where, you know, I was, I was stressed out and that can impact your ability to, um, you know, to conceive. And so I'd had these two miscarriages and, um, decided to do something for myself. I was like, I need to do something to nourish my body. And I actually signed up for a 500 hour yoga teacher training. I had already been teaching yoga, but I signed up for this advanced yoga teacher training. And it was during that time that I really, that, that year that was in 2018. And that program was one weekend a month for the whole year. And so I really took 2018, my, my kind of word for the year, I don't do new year's resolutions, but I do like a word for the year. And my year, my word was nourish. Mm. And I was like, what nourishes my soul? Not just my body, my physical body. I mean, of course I was like eating well and trying to do that kind of stuff, but I'm like, what really nourishes my soul? And I was like nature, like I, we, I wasn't spending enough time outside as much as I wanted. And I really made that commitment at that point in time to, to, to get back out into nature as much as possible. And, and um, around that time we had moved from Denver. So, so my husband and I moved from, when we bought a house, we moved to Denver from Boulder and then 
then um, in at the end of 2017, we moved from Denver over to Golden because we missed being near trails. And so at that point in time, I was like, I have trails literally in my in my neighborhood. So I just made that commitment to be to get outside every single day. And I think that was a huge part of my emotional healing, my physical healing. And it's something even now that whenever I'm feeling stressed or anxious or whatever, I mean, it's been a, a godsend during this pandemic just to be able to walk outside and, and check in with the natural world. So yeah, I think it was, it was through that process that I really came back to that. And I kind of, I feel like I, it was like a homecoming of sorts because I had had that prior to my daughter being born with leading all those outdoor ed programs. And then when she was born, I was giving so much to her and I was giving so much to my students that I wasn't giving back to myself and got back, you know, reconnected with nature in a, in a deeper way, I think than I had before, because it was really a lot of quiet time with myself out in the woods, (laughs) which was great. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. And I mean, I think, especially right now, you know, being in the pandemic and, you know, nature kind of has, I think people are starting to awaken to just the powers that nature has for us, because that's really a good chunk of what most of us have to do, you know, like, you know, with things sometimes shutting, opening, who knows, and nature is just kind of there for us right now. So I feel that I feel definitely people being pulled back, you know, to being outside. And I would love to hear from your perspective, you know, if people are feeling that pull, but you know, sometimes people from what I've, you know, I've just had people kind of DM me or send me emails, like what is there to do outside in nature besides just go for walks? Mm. And I'm sure you have some great ideas. So I would love to hear from you. Um, you know, how can you help people get outside and just do something besides just maybe go for the obvious, like the walks and the bike rides? Yeah. You know, it's funny because I just had a conversation earlier today with, um, a woman who is, she does like forest bathing, forest therapy type oh, of stuff. Love it. And yeah, and we were, but we were talking about, she, she actually lives in Los Angeles and she's like, you know, I live in this place that is really congested and, and people, you know, people don't think about getting outside in these urban areas as, as really being out in nature. We think we have to go mm. on these like big hikes or we have to drive, you know, up to the mountains in Colorado or whatever, but nature's right outside our door all the time. So obviously we can go on walks. Um, one of my favorite things that I talk to clients about is doing a rainbow walk, which is, mm. is great if you have kids too, but you, um, and kind of the, the, the neuroscience behind this is that our brain, when we are stressed out, our brain is kind of in the lower brain stem. It's, it's what my, in my daughter's school, they call it the lizard brain. You're, yeah. you're in this like lizard reptilian brain. And so when we start to categorize things by color, that starts to kick us up into our wizard brain and a little bit more up into the frontal lobe, because that's more kind of rational thought and um, big picture thinking. And so when you go outside, one of the things you can do is you know, walking is great because it is a cross body movement that helps to soothe the nervous system. But you can also, to get a little added bonus to that, you can notice everything around you that's red and you can go like, oh, that's like bright red, like fire engine red on the flag of that mailbox. And, oh, but there's like a magenta car and there's something pink. And then you go through all the colors of the rainbow and you can even do, you know, 
blues or, you know, black and white and gray and kind of noticing that stuff, but really just getting connected with the present moment outside is so great. Um, I love going outside and playing in my garden. We have a, our front yard, we have a, a vegetable garden in our front yard that my husband, that's really my husband's domain because I don't want to mess up. I don't want to mess up his baby. <laughs> I'll go out there and pick things when they're ready, but I don't do it. I don't do a lot with the planting, but we have a lot of, um, a lot of natural flowers and like lavender bushes and, um, cone flowers and different things out in the yard. And so I, I will go out and, and just weed. I love going out and like pulling weeds and I'll listen to podcasts while I'm doing it a lot in the <laughs> summer. Um, I love moving rocks around. I know that sounds super crazy, but I have moved, <laughs> I've moved so many pounds of rocks in my front yard because there's something really ground. I mean, literally grounding about yeah. that. They're heavy. I mean, and you do a ton of Ayurveda work. So you know that when you're having kind of a vata imbalance, which a lot of us are probably in that right now when we are feeling stressed and anxious and up in our head, for me to get outside and, and grab something heavy like a rock and move it around and play in the dirt, it really helps to bring my anxiety around. So even if people are living in an urban area and they can get a couple flower pots to put on their balcony, you know, even if they don't, if they don't have a yard, that's another great thing to do is just digging in the dirt and, you know, you can go find some rocks and do rock art and paint or something like that. That's a little more creative. So there's a lot of different ways you can connect with nature that don't have to be, you know, going on walks or going on bike rides. It could be something as simple as sitting outside on a balcony and planting some flowers or, you know, something like that, that makes you happy. Um, yeah. So those are some of my, those are some of my favorite ways. I mean, and we're, like I said, we're really lucky we have trails couple blocks away from our house and not everybody has that. So even just getting outside and looking at the, at looking at the, the trees and the birds and just noticing your natural surroundings that are already around you is, is such a great way to kind of take a mindful moment out in nature. Mm. I love that. And I wish you lived closer. You can weed, you can go out and weed my garden. Cause that is, <laughs> Oh girl. I enjoy doing. <laughs> Oh my gosh. We, our, our yard is so big. I think it's about a third of an acre, I oh. believe. And it's just, it's overwhelming. Like oh. I get through, I'm at a war with the thistle right now. We have these like thistle that have taken over our whole yard and our neighbor will joke with us. He'll be like, uh, Jamie, the thistle are popping up behind you. They're mocking you. And I'm like, shut up. They totally are. Um, so yeah, I've, I've got, I've got plenty of work to do in my own yard, but thanks. <laughs> thanks for that offer. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, I would love to kind of circle back to the burnout. Cause I think that's something that, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've talked to just in the last week, quite a few people who are definitely feeling that burnout and just the fatigue and, um, you know, just the fatigue of life right now of, you know, being at home and, um, yeah. that burnt out energy. So how, how do you help combat burnout with some of the clients that you work with? You know, I think so. So what, my experience with burnout mostly is like the, the symptoms of burnout are some of the things like feeling disconnected from things that you used to be excited about. So when we're talking about our job, a lot of people, I mean, I worked in education and then also, you know, mental health within education. So I have experience in those and they're, those are very high burnout fields. Mm -hmm. And I think what happens is that when we're not taking care of ourselves, then we kind of forget what our purpose is. Like we go into these fields 
so many people who are in helping fields. And um, I mean, and the, the medical field comes to mind right now with everything that's going on with the pandemic. But, you know, we go into these fields to help people because we want to help our students. We want to help our patients if we're in, um, you know, for people who are in the medical field. You want to help your clients if you're in mental health. And we're constantly giving, 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 giving all day long. And you get to the point where you forget what your, what your why is. You forget why you're doing this job in the first place. And so one of the things that I do with the, with the women that I work with, I work, I have worked with some men, but I work primarily with women. And, um, one of the things that I do is I help them come back to their, why, why are they in this field in the first place? And then we really look at how to structure their day so that they have some boundaries because, that I think is a big one with burnout. It's, it's people who are givers, people who are in these roles often say yes to everything. And I work with a lot of women who are, if you know anything about the Enneagram, I work with a lot of women who are sevens on the Enneagram. So they love everything. They love life. They're excited. They say, yes, they want to, they're the women that you, you call when you're like, do you want to go on an adventure? They're like, yes, I do. They're like, do you want to go, you know, try this new like salsa and rumba class, whatever, (laughs) like dancing class. They're like, yes, let's go do it. Right. They have this zest for life, but because of that, they never slow down. Mm -hmm. They say yes to everything. They kind of forget they have FOMO. A lot of people have FOMO, like that fear of missing out on this, on life's great adventures. And So I help them kind of like dial it back and be like, okay, you can't say yes to everything. So let's figure out your why. Let's figure out your priorities and how can you put up some boundaries so that people aren't trampling all over your flower garden? Like it's a little bit like putting a fence up around your garden, right? Like you have all these flowers that you want to tend to and you want to see them blossom. And if you say yes to everything and you have no fence around that, then they're going to get trampled. So where can you put up this fence to protect the things that are important to you so that you can still experience all these things you want to experience, but maybe like, maybe you're not really into salsa dancing. And so maybe your time would be better spent doing something else that is more in alignment with your priorities. So it's really just helping people figure out where they're expending their energy and how to adjust their time during their day to be more in alignment with their own true nature. And so it's kind of, it's two parts, right? It's coming back and and discovering who you are and what makes us, what lights us up and what makes us excited. And also figuring out then how to put up some boundaries, how to structure your time a little bit differently so that you do have more time for yourself. I love that you said coming back to the why, because I actually had that conversation Mm. with a gal, you know, just a couple of days ago. Um, you know, I, I just asked her, okay, why, why do you do this? And she's like, huh, I have not thought about that in years. No, it just becomes so habitual. Some of the things that we do, you know, such as like our meditation or journal practice, but it's no longer fulfilling us, you know, and it could, we just might need to tweak a few things where if we don't ask ourselves, okay, why am I still doing this? And the same with like, I was asking a few people, why are you taking the supplement? And if you were like, I have no idea. I don't even remember who told me to start, that. <laughs> you know, and, you know, just pausing and asking certain things in our life. Like, why do I do that? When did I start doing that? And why did I start doing that? And does it still fulfill me or hit that need that it once was? Yeah, 
totally. Yes. And I think that's so important because you're right. We do get in these habits and a lot of times they're good habits. And I'll like an example in my own life has been my yoga practice. My yoga practice is something that, I mean, I've been practicing yoga for 20 years now and I I'm kind of in a rut a little bit. I mean, I'm still teaching it and I still enjoy it, but I definitely, um, it's not the focus of my self-care anymore, where it used to be a huge part of my self-care, especially that year in 2018, when I was going through my teacher training, I was definitely like really into yoga. And now I'm more into some of the other practices. I'm more into the nature practices. I'm more into meditation and breath work and some of the energy work practices that I'm learning. And I think that is really important to reevaluate why we're doing things so that we don't fall into these habits because a lot of times when we look at the why we can go you know i'm really not i'm not, maybe i'm not into yoga anymore so but i want to get to that same end result like what was the reason i started practicing yoga for me it was stress relief and exercise so can i get to that same end result a different way that maybe lights me up a little bit more right now so yeah that's one of my favorite conversations to have with the women i work with mm. I love that. And I know, I think I saw it on your blog, um, was, was talking about inflammation and the Ayurvedic side of me of like burnout inflammation. they so go hand in hand. So I would love for you to chat about maybe even the benefits of nature with inflammation or just inflammation in general, because I, again, a lot of us are feeling that inflammation in our bodies, in our minds, um, you know, right now, and maybe people haven't been eating the best, you know, this mm-hmm. past year, because we've been at home and maybe had a few too many cocktails and just <laughs> don't feel our best selves right now. So can you talk a little bit about, um, how that can show up as inflammation? Definitely. So I just want to preface this by saying I am not an inflammation expert, <laughs> but I, um, but I do know, I mean, we know that, that, part of our stress response is that the body can get inflamed. So when we are feeling stressed out, the, you know, the body that can cause inflammation in the body, when we are eating foods that aren't great for us, that can cause inflammation in our digestive system. And again, it's kind of like that bathtub analogy. I'll come back to that again, where it's like, if we are putting in, you know, if we're drinking alcohol, which can cause inflammation. If we are eating, you know, for some people, gluten can cause inflammation, dairy can cause inflammation, any of these things that we're putting into our bodies that can cause inflammation, that's adding water to the bathtub. And if we're not draining the bathtub enough, if we're not de-stressing, eating some kale every once in a while, like eating some of those anti-inflammatory foods, you know, things like that, then, then we are actually, then our body continues to have inflammation. And a lot of times that shows up in our gut. And, and the reason for this is just because partly because of the food that we eat, but also there is a nerve called the vagus nerve and it is part of our stress response system. And so a lot of times it's this kind of self-fulfilling thing where when we are stressed out, when we're in fight or flight, our brain says, okay, I need to shut down all these non-essential functions. I'm going to shut down digestion because I don't need to digest food right now because I'm just trying to fight off the saber tooth tiger. I'm going to shut down reproduction so it can mess with our hormones. Um, I'm going to shut down um, rational thought because we don't need to know algebra when we are running away from a saber tooth tiger. And, And so what ends up happening is if we're constantly stressed, 
because our body is kind of shutting off some of the energy that it's putting towards digestion. And on top of that, we are probably craving sugar and we're craving all these, these things that can cause inflammation because they're chemicals in the body that are, that our immune response is kind of fighting. Um, and also our, our immune response is affected if we are, um, if we are stressed out which is not good when we're in a pandemic, right? (laughs) So all of these different things that can then contribute and our body is not able, you know, the, the parasympathetic response that is the opposite of fight or flight, our fight or flight is a sympathetic response. When we go into a parasympathetic response, that is called the rest and digest system because it's when we can rest and sleep and it's when we can digest our food And so if we are not, if we're constantly stressed out, even if it's this low level stress, then our body never really gets to repair itself. So our body doesn't really get to go back and say, okay, Andrea, you had a glass of wine tonight as part of your coping strategy, but your body doesn't really get to process that in the best way. And so it it looks at it almost like a toxin, and then it will go into this kind of inflammatory response. Um, And that can show up in all sorts of ways. It can show up in autoimmune responses. It can show up with, um, personally, it shows up for me a lot of times as psoriasis. I get psoriasis all around um, the sides of my nose. I get it sometimes around my hairline where when I'm stressed out and not taking care of myself and not eating well, I, my psoriasis flares up and that is a stress response for me. That is a, an inflammatory response. Some people will show up, it'll show up as, um, and I know you love to talk about poop, <laughs> you know, we, it'll, it'll show up either as diarrhea or it'll show up as constipation. And that's because the body is, is inflamed and it's not eliminating toxins properly. And so those toxins then sit, especially if we're constipated, right? Our, our toxins, all that toxic waste that our body is trying to get rid of through our poop is actually sitting in our intestines and our colon and getting reabsorbed by the body because it's sitting there for so long. So there's all sorts of things that happen with inflammation. And I think I just went down like some crazy rabbit hole and I don't know if I really answered your question at no, all. I, I think you did. I, <laughs> but I think you did. yeah, I just, I think this, I, I love this kind of stuff. I think it's fascinating because I, you know, like I mentioned before, I was a science teacher and I worked in mental health. And so I love the, the brain body connection of how all this stuff impacts our physical body. I don't think we realize it as much as we probably should. Agreed. And that's where, I mean, I think everything that you said, I mean, sometimes just connecting those dots, you know, with like, oh, wow. Okay. Inflammation can look like my, my poop being different or, you know, that Mm -hmm. could be going on. And, you know, maybe some people realize that maybe not. Mm -hmm. I know for me, I didn't until I really started studying all of this. I'm like, oh, wow. Everything is just so intertwined and it's so connected. And, um, again, like as you were going through this, I was like, yep. And that's associated with that doshic (laughs) imbalance, you know? And so then there's just so many layers that you can take all of that. Um, and it's just information about yourself. And so just kind of knowing what, like, again, as you know, your triggers, you know, and I kind of know mine, um, you know, mine's always constipation. And so I'm like, okay, where am I out of balance? Let me get back in balance. What foods are causing this and just deep diving with yourself. It's just great information. And a toolkit for you to have. So mm-hmm. thank you for that. Yeah. Um, I love what you said about getting curious. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's one of the biggest things is just getting curious about what's happening in your own body and getting curious about how the foods that you eat 
can impact that. Cause some people do fine with dairy. Some people do fine with gluten and some people don't. And so it's not this blanket statement that everybody should eat a certain way or, or do a certain thing. I mean, I think everybody should take care of their stress. <laughs> that's something that's universal, but how we take care of that, like you said, there's a ton of different tools that you can have in your toolbox to take care of that. It doesn't have to be one size fits all. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one, like, um, gosh, a few years ago when like the, the gluten-free craze was happening, you know, my mom's like, okay, I think, I, I think I have this gluten intolerance. And my first question was like, why do you think that? And then she didn't really have an answer. You know, she's like, well, it just says a lot of most people do. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm like you've had it. I'm like, I don't think so, mom, you know, I'm like, <laughs> I think you have some other stuff, but I don't think it's that. And so, you know, just kind of knowing, like, again, asking, well, why do we think that, you know, is it because that's what we're seeing a lot, you know, on social media or in the news. And then all of a sudden we start to think, oh, well, maybe I should eat that way, or that's going to be right for me instead of really asking, okay, but what actually does feel best to my body. Mm-hmm. And right now, because it changes throughout your life, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to have different phases where you're going to need different things to fuel you. So, um, mm-hmm. I think that's really important as well. Yeah, I would agree. I, I've noticed, um, I used to be fine with drinking alcohol and recently, I mean, I can have even half a beer the other night, my husband's birthday was a couple of days ago. And he's like, do you want to split a beer with me? And I'm like, sure. And I don't really drink very much anymore because literally every time I drink these days, I wake up with like a raging headache the next day. And, and I, I used to not. And so that's just one of those things where, you know, I'll, I'll still like, once a month, be like, sure, let me have a beer. And then I, without fail, have a headache. <laughs> so it's just one of those things that I now know about myself, that that's not something that is good for my body in this moment. doesn't mean I'll never be able to drink again, but it's not something that I really feel like I need to do and that, that I, I don't need it in my, in my lifestyle. Well, I would love to know, um, a little bit about, uh, your website is the inner map project and you have the acronym map MAP for short. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is and how you weave that into your work? Yeah, absolutely. So map stands for mindful, active, and present. And, um, I, and it really, in my mind, that's taking care of mind, body, and soul, right? It's how do we take care of all those things? So the way that that looks in my work with clients is I, I do work with them. I, I teach them different mindfulness techniques, different breathing techniques so that they, again, so I'm building up their toolkit of coping skills so they can pull those. And a lot of those are nature-based practices. So I will weave in, um, you know, different either meditations that are outside in nature or, you know, imagery that is nature, nature focused. Cause I love that. The active piece, um, it can be yoga. You know, some of the people that I work with want, um, want me to come up with a, a, a sequence for them based on what's going on in their body. And I can absolutely do that. Some women just want the accountability of, of having someone say, okay, did you schedule in your, you know, how many workouts do you want to do this week? And did you schedule that into your day? So, um, that, that can kind of vary depending on how I'm working with that person, but it's just making sure that we're, we're being active and, and what that looks like, depending on the person. For some people that might mean a 20 minute walk every day. For some people that might mean like a six hour run. That sounds horrible to me, by the way, I'm not a runner, <laughs> but that could be what you want to do on the weekends is go on like a big long trail run or something. Um, so we figure out how to, you know, what activity looks like in their day. And then the presence is really all this personal 
personal growth and self-reflection. So it's a lot of the setting up, setting boundaries. I call it life work because I was a former teacher and I think there's like, a, nobody wants homework when you're an adult. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we have this like trigger response where we're like, I'm not going to do that. But I have a, a weekly life work activities that people do. So it's just things to help people get, get to know themselves again, get reconnected with their, I call it getting reconnected with your true nature. So who you are at your soul and getting reconnected connected with that. And then learning, you know, how to set boundaries, how to schedule your time. I do a lot of time management because the one thing that I say that I hear from people all the time is I don't have time. Mm -hmm. And my response to that is always, well, Beyonce has the same number of hours in her day as we do. So if she can get that much crap done, so can we, (laughs) right? Um, or insert whoever your favorite person is, Michelle (laughs) Obama, whoever, Oprah, whatever, right. They all have the same amount of time that we do. So, um, Anyway, so, so I do, you know, that's kind of where that comes in is that is the mental presence is, is doing things thoughtfully, like you mentioned before, not just falling into these habits, but also, you know, how to, how, like really going back and evaluating what's going on internally. And I kind of pull some different practices from my counseling background, from my, um, my background, I'm doing, I do a little bit of work. I've got a mentor right now who is an ecotherapist. So she does a lot of like work with people out in nature. So I'm pulling some of those practices as well. Um, so yeah, a lot of just kind of getting reacquainted with who you are. I love that. Well, where can people find you? Where's the best place to, you know, have people connect with you? So my website, as you mentioned, is innermapproject.com. That's a great place to connect with me. Um, I have some freebies on there that you can, that people can sign up if they want to be part of my newsletter. Um, I also have my own podcast called Lessons from the Map, and I interview women. Your, your interview is coming up shortly. You're on my podcast in a few months. Um, well, actually, I think by the time this is released, we will have already yeah. chatted, but yes. Um, <laughs> yes, but I interview women about how, about the relationship between nature and personal growth. I call it the relationship between adventures in nature and how that shapes our inner landscape. So what that looks like. And then I'm also on Instagram at Intermap Project is the handle at Instagram. So I try and post on there almost every day. Yeah. Perfect. Well, I just have one final question for you today, um, Jamie. And my question is, I like to throw out weekly challenge to the listeners. And then when I have a guest on, I have you throw out a weekly challenge. So what would you like that challenge to be this week? Oh, so um, we are doing this, this, um, this interview right before Valentine's Day. And I used to think Valentine, I used to say Valentine's Day was like the dumbest holiday until I realized that it didn't have to be about a romantic relationship with somebody else. It could be about your relationship with yourself. And I don't think we have to practice self-love just on Valentine's Day. So I know this is not airing for a little while, but I would think for your listeners to practice some self-love this week. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I challenge people to do and, and my kind of quote that I, that I tell people about this is nature does not make mistakes. So because you are a part of nature, you are perfect exactly the way, and you are exactly the way you're supposed to be. So one of the practices that I'm going to throw out, and this is a pretty challenging one for a lot of people, especially women with our Western standards of beauty and our um, wonderful ability as women to critique our physical body all the time. But my challenge for you is going to be to stand 
in your natural state, completely naked in front of a mirror and think about all the things you love about your body. And so you can start with things like, I love my eyes because I get to see sunsets and I get to see full moons and I get to see the smile on my child's face when I tell a stupid joke, <laughs> right? And then it could be, and then it could be, I love my ears because I get to listen to music and I get to listen to podcasts and I get to have conversations with my friends. And it could, you know, so you can start with these body parts that maybe we're not as critical about and then go to some of the harder ones, right? Like I love my belly because that's where my daughter grew. And I, that pooch is like a, it's like a, it's, I'm proud of that pooch, you know, cause that's where she was. So really loving your physical body. Mm, that's a great one. I don't think I've had that. I like how you described, you know, starting with like the ears or the eyes and, you know, working towards maybe the parts that, you know, we don't always love. So thank you for that. That's a great one. Yeah, of course. Well, thank you, Jamie, for coming on and sharing your wisdom with us. It's been such a great pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much, Andrea, for having me. This was so great. And I hope I can connect with you again soon because I really enjoy our conversations. Yes. Well, thank you so much. And everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power.